Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. They started a secret group on Facebook to try and raise funds to get me a new phone. is what they said they started it as just four or five hundred dollars to get me a new phone and that grew into over six thousand dollars in about six days and it was donations from a couple hundred people and people from around the world and these people all left comments on on how I inspire them and how my work inspires them and my positive attitude I probably shouldn't have experienced it a couple weeks after recovering from a major concussion and blood in my brain. Imagine if people you've never met from all over the world wanted to help you out of a sticky patch because your work and outlook on life inspires them. It happened to today's guest Jacob Loafman. That's the power of social media, the power of community and the power of photography. I'm Matt Bowen. This is Phototypes. It's Matt freaking Bowen. Oh my gosh! Jacob Loafman from the USA describes himself as a master tinkerer when it comes to photography. In this episode, hear him talk about his inspirations, influences and plans for the future. And he also relives the night he was attacked and knocked unconscious, which triggered a massive outpouring of support. Jacob, welcome. How are you? It's going pretty well. How are you, sir? I am very well. Tell us where you are and have a look around you and what you can see around you. I am in St. Louis, Missouri in the USA. Um I'm in my home studio right now, or sorry, home base studio. It's an actual workspace I share with two other wedding photographers here and um Yeah, we got this back in June and uh it's been nice having a workspace that's away from my house because knowing that my couch was upstairs and stuff was uh keeping me from working a little bit <laughs> too much temptation yes a little bit so um this place has worked out nice and obviously for studio shoots and stuff too do you find it good to have colleagues as well i do yeah it's nice to have um there's always at least two of us here it seems like so it's nice to have someone to pull over and um get their thoughts on you know either a photo idea or even the editing of a photo or the moment or should I include this in the client's gallery and things like that it's nice to have someone at your beck and call right there give them a name check say hello to them yes so it would be Katie Forbes and um she's actually in the studio right now she's hiding under her desk listening trying to be as quiet as she can and um Jamie Nicole Krauss she's she's the third studio member here and we call it the Susu studio like the uh Mr. Phil Collins I think he'd appreciate that of course any uh <laughs> any drumming going on in there um not yet we're looking into a drum set it'll be here soon excellent bit more distraction for you that's right <laughs> okay describe yourself as a photographer oh man that's a loaded question um you know I don't 
I don't really think about it too much. Um, I definitely try to, I think everybody tries their best to stand apart from, from the pack to make sure their name stands out in some way. Um, whether it be with their personality, their work, their style, something of that nature. Um, I am, I am a master of tinkering. So I'm always playing with things, whether it be plates from the cupboard or wine glasses or lights from Amazon or fiber optics, or I'm always trying to include certain things in my work that, um, makes me stand out a little bit, um, from others in a good way. My style is very cinematic, I would say. I like, um, films are a big influence for me. Um, I look at when I shoot a wedding, I look at myself as kind of the film director of the day and, um, without giving the actors guidance. So it's kind of, it's kind of cool. I feel like, um, it's, it's very unique to be part of a day of two people that found each other and, um, out of, you know, billions of people in the world. And here I am lucky enough to capture their, their special moment. Cause it is a big deal. And, um, so yeah, I just try when I shoot a wedding, it's a mix of storytelling mixed with some cinematic portraits. Um, that includes, you know, like like I said, when I mess with fiber optics and LEDs and stuff like that, I just go on Amazon and sometimes it's light up toys for children and stuff like that. But I try to incorporate a lot of unique tools into my work, whether it be putting it in front of the lens or doing quadruple or triple exposures or something of that nature. Um, just I just always try to keep my work interesting. Every photo needs to be interesting. So yeah, aesthetically is my is my big inspiration. I when I look when I create a photo, I don't want it to just be a photo of a moment. I want it to be a photo of a moment and also a work of art. So when they hang it on their wall, it's it's more of an all-inclusive type of piece rather than just grandma smiling. I'd like to incorporate grandma smiling with some other unique things going on in the photograph. How Difficult or easy do you find those things to do within the fast-moving environment of a wedding? Depends on the on the clients, actually. Um, I mean, I've had some weddings where the clients are very open to, hey, this is your day, too. We are putting you in charge of everything. You do your thing. You tell us what you want to do. Um, the difficulty is I always start tinkering with things with self-portraits and then so it's trying to incorporate that into shooting a wedding is definitely the difficult part you know how do I carry an LED fiber optic lamp into a wedding reception like that's really weird (laughs) to be holding you know a foot and a half tall fiber optic lamp on the dance floor and shaking it in front of the lens or something like that you know it depends on the day really I mean I definitely shoot some weddings that are just more of a traditional kind of day um and those just turn out to be more of the storytelling type type of weddings for me. And um, that's where I'm not, I'm not, a lot of people promote consistency and things like that. I don't, I don't even give that a lot of attention. Um, I shoot every wedding as unique as I can um, as far as editing the shooting style and everything. So, I mean, every wedding I shoot is completely different. If you go on my website and check out my wedding photos there there really isn't a lot of consistency but i like that i think that helps me stand out from from the pack as well and it's not extreme extreme um 
opposites of you know each wedding, but it's just yeah, there's not a lot of editing consistency or things of that nature. So yeah, it's just it's just every day is different to me. So I just go in, I wing everything. I don't scout. I don't do any of that. I just show up, and um, that's where I find that my brain works best when I do wing stuff. How does that inconsistency work for clients then who maybe want to know what they're going to get at the end of it? Or, or do you get clients who just trust you and say, do what you want to do? Most of my clients honestly do trust me because I bring them in for a consultation and I show them two or three full wedding galleries to show them that I do shoot each wedding differently. There's no, I don't have a set process for every wedding that I go into. I show up the morning of, and that's when my creative juices start flowing. So I think it helps them. Most of my clients that do book me, um, they know that they're going to get a unique package from me. They know that it's not going to look like the wedding I shot two months ago. Um, so I think for, for my type of clients, that's comforting to them, and that is um, special to them because they know I'm going to create art that is completely unique to them. And it's not stuff that I that's overdone that I do at every single wedding and things of that nature. And do you work just in uh, St. Louis and around that area, or all over the states? Um, I'm trying to build my destination portfolio. Um, right now, it's it's mostly local. Um, but I'm next week. I'm shooting a wedding with film photographer Liam Wharton out of Sweden. Um, we're going to L.A. We're shooting what we call the $500 wedding. So that'll be kind of my first like true destination wedding, I guess. Um, so that one will be fun. And then I have one in Colorado next year and a couple other in the works for next year. So it's just um, I'm letting things kind of roll with the punches. Um, I'm sure I could be doing a lot more marketing and things of that nature. But um, I'm just kind of going with the flow of things. My booking process seems to be improving. Um, so I'm just like, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But I'm definitely the plan for 2016 is to work on building my destination portfolio and hopefully get some, get some weddings around the world over the next couple of years. But I also realize that I'm kind of an infant in the industry is it's only my, I've been shooting weddings for two and a half years now. So I realize that stuff can't just, you know, happen in six months and boom, I'm a destination wedding photographer. It's, you know, it'll take time and that's okay. That seems like an apt point then to ask you when you first picked up a camera. Oh, man. I first picked up a camera in high school when I was a freshman. So that would have been 16 years ago. And it was when I was a freshman in high school, it was still all, all film and all darkroom, um, which I, I really enjoyed. I ended up taking the class because my brother was a senior and he said, hey, this teacher is really cool. You may like photography. I don't know. And I said, okay, I'll take the class. And um, yeah, I, I ended up really, really enjoying the whole process of shooting a photo. And then the whole darkroom process was very interesting to me as well. There's, there's nothing greater than swishing around that photo paper in the tray and seeing your photo come to life on the paper. It was, um, it's a very unique thing. And it, it, was, it was really incredible to see. So that was your typical, you know, we'd have super simple assignments where you go around and interview someone and shoot them on your camera. And then you'd have a little project of, you know, like nature, landscapes, portraits, things of that nature. Um, I really enjoyed it. And I took a class in 
I only went to college for a semester. It really wasn't for me, but I took a photography class there, and um, it was all darkroom as well, and I really enjoyed that. And then um, life just kind of happened. My parents got a divorce, so my brother and I moved in together and just started working full-time and paying bills and stuff like that. So I fell out of the game for, boy, I guess close to 10 years or so. Um, And then, yeah, back in 2000... 12, I guess it was, early 2012, I started seeing some really interesting stuff on reddit.com from um, self-portrait artist Kyle Thompson, and he was doing some surreal self-portraiture and ethereal type stuff, and um, it just, it sparked my interest again in my, in my stomach, I could feel it, I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pick up a camera again, because this is really interesting stuff, and um it's like when you see something in a store that you really want, you're like, holy cow, I've got to have that. It was that similar type of feeling. Um, so I went on eBay and spent, you know, $400 on, you know, a camera body and a couple of lenses and memory cards, tripod, things of that nature. And practice on self-portraits for six months and then started sharing them on Facebook. And they were, of course, horrible, you know, now when I look back at them. But that's part of the process, right? It's, it's all about growth and um so I still save all those photos because it's really fun to revisit them sometimes. Then I had the typical family and friends asking if I could take family photos for them, things of that nature. So I did that for six months. And then somebody told me I should start charging. So I did the, you know, I think it was 40 or $60 for a CD of images and whatever. So I did that for, I guess, a year and a half before I started my business because I started researching and reading that... Um, I didn't want to be one of those photographers that spends two or three thousand dollars on equipment and opens a business the next day without, you know, much much skill or much practice or something like that. So I took about a year and a half total between all that time of honing my skills and making sure it was I could offer something of quality before I opened an actual business. And yeah, the growth is still happening. I don't think it's something that ever stops. And yeah, it's just um, it's it's just crazy how much I have grown in about two years. How have you fueled that growth? Have you um, taken classes, workshops, or self-taught, or just practice? Mainly self-taught. I've taken one workshop. It was Sam Hurd's workshop last year up in Chicago, Illinois. And um, it was the best workshop for me because I had been following Sam for a few years. And um, He's obviously a master of tinkering, too. He likes to stand apart and try different things, wild things. So his workshop um, really taught me that it's okay to be be an outside-of-the-box type of photographer, to trends are trends because they're popular, they're pretty, they're very interesting-looking. That's how trends become trends, because they're very cool. Um, and you know, I of course have some trendy poses and things of that nature. Everybody does. There's, there's repeats. There's very few things that are original in the industry anymore, I think. Um, and that's okay because that's just, that's just the way it is. You know, there's only certain ways you can pose a couple together or pose a person. You know, it's not like there's infinite ways of doing it. Um, but Sam's, Sam's workshop just kept my, my drive to stay fresh and I still have that drive. It's, it's okay, what can I mess with next? Um, it's challenging myself. That's, that's the main thing I took away from his workshop is always challenge yourself. And, um, yeah, that's helped me grow. That mixed with 
right around that workshop time, I started to just make everything public on social media. And it's not like a, it's not like a fake type of thing either, where I'm just doing this for social media stuff. It's, I share my personal life. I share, I'm a pretty open book kind of guy. So it, it wasn't really like a, uh, thing for, to grow business or anything like that at all. It was just to network and meet like-minded people, other photographers and, because it leads to interesting discussions, you know, like I, I love my friends here at home, but I can't sit around and talk, you know, about gear with them. They don't even know what the hell I'm talking about most of the time. So um, to be part of a network of other photographers has also helped me grow because um, I started following their work and they comment on my work and you go back and forth, you know. And uh, you're part of the Looks Like Film group now, are you? I am, Yes. Sir Lucas asked me to join, um, I guess it was six or seven months ago, maybe even longer than that. I don't even remember. But um, yeah, I started posting in the Looks Like Film group and the Visco group because another photographer told me about it. So I started sharing my work in there and just started interacting with the community because I love, I love interacting on social media anyway. Like I think it's fun to have discussions and to learn about people, especially from all around the world like the Visco group and Looks Like Film group has. Um, and yeah, Lucas and I just struck up a friendship from there and, um, yeah, now we're pretty good buds. I'm excited to meet him in April and I'm going to spend some time with him and go see Europe for a bit while I'm over there. And yeah, it looks like film is, um, you know, we just turned a year old yesterday and it's, it's, it has grown substantially in one year's time. Um, and it's because it's, it truly is about community we're all about lifting each other up. We're not about, you know, heavy critique that really has no point type of critique. You know, it's not, we're not shitting on other, other photographers because they're in their first six months of being a photographer. You know, we're there to help them. That's the way it should be. It should be about community. If someone needs help, you should be able to help them and not, not be a turtle that puts its head back in its shell because you don't want to share, you know, what your secrets are, you know, it's like, no, we're all very open type of people. I'll share anything. I don't, it's, it's not going to affect my business at all if I share whatever I do. It's fine. And um, that community was pretty special to you just recently, wasn't it? Yes, it was. It was, um, I, I, can't, I couldn't even put into words um, how special that was. I was... Recently part of what they call the knockout game. I was standing at an intersection in a part of town here, editing a photo on my phone, of course. And, um, yeah, I remember a figure walking up behind my right shoulder, and that's when my memory stopped. And um, my memory came to when I was mid-walk to my car. Um, So they call it, it's like a gang initiation type thing where they knock you out and take your phone if you don't have any cash in your wallet. And, um... So yeah, I was knocked out from behind and spent a few days in the hospital. And luckily, I had just gotten health insurance ten days prior, because I'm I'm in my fourth month of being a full time photographer. So um, I knew health insurance was important, so I purchased it. And uh, I chose a high, very high deductible plan because I hadn't been in the hospital since I was like four years old, and I'm 31 now. So I was like, well, I'm fairly healthy. I'll choose a high deductible, low copay plan, and and then, of course, 10 days after I choose that and get my health insurance, this happens. And 
So two of my photographer friends from Arkansas, the Montoyas, they started a secret group on Facebook to try and raise funds to get me a new phone is what they said they started it as, just four or $500 to get me a new phone. And that grew into over $6,000 in about six days. And it was donations from a couple hundred people and people from around the world, um, UK, Dubai, India, um, and these people all left comments on, on how I inspire them and how my work inspires them and my positive attitude about life and stuff. And it was just, um, I probably shouldn't have experienced it a couple weeks after recovering from a major concussion and blood in my brain. But yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty tough to hold back the tears because it was, um, it was very special to read. I'm, I'm your very stereotypical, uh, I'm just a guy alive in the world. So I don't, you know, I don't take compliments in a good way. Um, I'm just kind of like, oh, thanks a lot. And so so reading comments from people, how I've actually touched their lives, yeah, it really took me back, really hit me in the gut. It was it was pretty special. And um just makes me realize that that I just need to keep this positive attitude because it does it does help people and um that's very special to me. That's the most important thing to me in my life is remaining positive and helping people when I can. It was an incredible experience and I I'm forever grateful to all of those people that donated and left comments and just just vouched for their support it was pretty amazing you say that's made you uh determined to carry on with the sort of direction that you're on did it change anything else about you the only thing it did change about me is now i'm definitely more aware of my surroundings um a little bit of paranoia i guess which which kind of makes me upset because i really loved I've always been kind of a loner and not like in a depressive way. Like I just like doing things on my own. So I used to love going and exploring on my own and even going to see a film by myself late on a Sunday night or something to see the midnight show. And um, as of today, I can't do any of those things right now because it's just I, I can't I can't go out into the world at night on my own right now. And um, so that that part of me has changed. Um and I don't like that I look at people now that are walking behind me, you know, because it's not it's not a direct opinion I have on them. It's just something that I experienced that now I have to constantly look over my shoulders and behind my back to see what's going on. But other than that, no, I just I just kept my positivity through the whole thing. The the hospital staff just kept telling me, you know, while blood on the brain is obviously a big deal, your your vitals are good. Your the tests we're giving you, you're all coming out great. So you should be fine in a month or so. And um, so I just said, well, what can, you know, and what can I do? I, there's no sense of being angry about it. It's not like I can go find out who did it. And I, I'm not a violent guy. I'm not a revenge. I'm not a vengeful type of guy. So, you know, plus I don't want the gangs to know where I live and work or even what my name is. So <laughs> as long as I can get back to being me, then life's going to be okay, you know. Did you worry that your photography career might be over? Honestly, not not really. And I will say only because the staff kept telling me I was going to be okay. Um, and I had I, I think I was lucky in the fact that I've never gone through anything like this before. So I was one hundred percent reliant on what they were telling me. Um, and I and I trusted them obviously because they're doctors and neurosurgeons and things of that nature so if they if they told me I was going to be okay in a few weeks then I then I knew I would be okay and um 
my studio mates, Jamie and Katie, found someone to shoot a wedding for me because I did miss one. And um, they found somebody in just a few hours to shoot a wedding for me, and that was great. And um, no, I just kind of looked at it as well. I guess I'm going to lay in the hospital bed here for a few days and then go home and lay around for a few days. And then hopefully in a couple weeks, I'll be back to normal. And now I'm feeling about 80, 80%, 85%. So it's. Um, it's going well, but no, I can't say that I ever had a thought creep in of, you know, am I going to miss out on my photography career? Am I going to have to go back to finding a day job or things of that nature? Those thoughts never really entered my, my head. Good. When you um, were learning your craft again as a photographer and you were building your business, what were you doing as a day job? Um, I was actually, <laughs> I was working in the lighting industry. I was working for... Um, an electrical distributor, and then I moved over to a manufacturer's representative. So we would sell to electrical distributors. Um, I was doing local project quotations. So we would we would try to get our products specified on a construction project, whether it be a school, a hospital, an arena, an office building, whatever it is. And then um, when the job would come out to bid, I would put the quote together for our lighting fixtures. Um, which it was a very, I was in the electrical industry for 10 years and um, learning about light itself, I think has helped me a little bit with my photography um, because I went to a lot of trainings at our manufacturer's factories and um, I think it worked out well because it was right on the, the, the LED curve of the industry. So it was when LED was starting to come out for outdoor lighting and things of that nature. So I learned a lot about the science of light in itself, like it, the brass tacks of the science of light. And um, yeah, it's very interesting, especially with LEDs. It's a very interesting time. There's a lot of um, uh, science just always blows my mind. And the science of light is very, very incredible thing. But five, six years ago when you were doing that, did you think that was going to be your your job for life or something in that industry would be your job for life? Um, I did. I didn't really know to be honest, cause I've never been the type that, um, I've never really thought about what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. I just kind of looked at every job as that is just a job. And I was carrying forth with it because it was, I had family in the industry and I started, um, I got fairly good at, at what I was doing. I, I had a lot of knowledge and, um, about lighting fixtures and, electronic ballasts and things of that nature and HID lamps and what have you. But, um, yeah, I just kind of looked at it as a job to fund the rest of my life, the things I truly enjoyed doing. So I've never really looked at any job as like a career until now. Um, now I totally get it. When I made the jump a few months ago, being your own boss is definitely a special thing. And the chase for business is, is a lot of fun. It's something I really enjoy. And it's, um, it's nice to have the freedom now to come up with new plans of, of how I can make more money. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just a lot of fun where before I would have to do that at you know, 2 to 3 in the morning <laughs> and then wake up for work at 7 a.m. the next day. So it's, um, yeah, to have the freedom now is very, very cool. And money is definitely not everything to me. As long as I can get by, that's, that's totally fine with me. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What is it now about your job then that inspires you? The freedom is what inspires me to to work harder um, because I know if I come in, you know, four days a week and I work for six hours straight, I have the rest of that time to do what I want. And it's, it's something that I've never had because even when I was in high school and after high school, I was I always had three or four part time jobs. So I was constantly working. The only freedom I had was, you know, a few hours on the weekends with my friends and things like that. So now it's um, it's pretty insane to work from like, you know, 9.30, 10 in the morning to 2.30 and I knock out my whole to-do list for that day and knowing I can go home and it's like I'm still kind of in that shock phase of like, is it okay to be watching a movie right now? I don't know. <laughs> Shouldn't I be doing something else? And it's like, no, you, you caught up for the day. Like, you're you're good. And um, so that, in a backwards way, that kind of inspires me to keep working hard because I can make, the harder I work, the more time I can allot to go do other things I enjoy, like golfing and fishing and things like that. All right. Who's been the biggest influence on your photography work? Man, it's been such a, it's, it's, it's ever changing for me, to be honest. Um, I would say it definitely started with Sam Hurd just because his work was so interesting. It was like, it was like nothing that I kept seeing out there. Um, and then now it's, it's kind of Brittany Esther Stadden from Canada. Her work is very, is very timeless and classic and beautiful. Um, she's got a very unique eye and, and knows how to use light very, very well. Um, and also Liam Wharton from Sweden. He's a film photographer and he's, very, very creative, um, very fine art type of work. I don't have one that's my biggest inspiration. And I think being part of Looks Like Film kind of caters to that because I'm I'm so used to seeing work from multiple artists daily and incredible artists that, you know, some aren't even wedding photographers, some are street photographers and just fashion photographers and um you see their work in those groups and it's some of it is mind-blowing stuff and it's um so i think that's that's my biggest inspiration is a community of photographers and it all balls up into one kind of like a star almost so they all kind of lump in together um i can't i couldn't really pick one name to be honest with you are you um, happy shooting weddings at the moment or are there other elements of photography that you want to shoot? Um, I'm definitely happy with shooting weddings. I enjoy shooting weddings. Um, like I said earlier, since film is a big influence to me, it's, it's kind of fun being a film director type for the day. Um, 
and it's challenging. Every wedding is a challenge, so it it it's still challenging myself. And until it's not challenging myself, then I think I'll always enjoy it. Um, the other stuff I'm getting into right now is a lot of darker personal work, um, and it's not even like dark, sad dark. It's more like a mysterious dark, dark type of stuff. Um, lots of movement in dresses. Um, lots of spotty light, lots of highlights of light where it's just a white dress moving and the shadows completely drop off. And that's the stuff that, that's the stuff that keeps me going as a whole is I, I consistently try to make time for personal work. You know, some nights I'll stay here working at the studio until 10 PM because I want to do a personal shoot the next day. So I have to make sacrifice somewhere, but personal work is very important to me. Um, that's when I do my self-portrait stuff. That's when I do my dark, mysterious stuff. That's where I really challenge myself. And then that, that goes into my, my client work. I want to talk about your self-portraits. Um, how does it feel turning the camera on yourself? At first, it felt awkward. But at the same time, I didn't. my group of friends weren't really the types where I could call and ask if they would model. They'd be like, what, what the hell do you mean? So I was, I was kind of comfortable with it. And um, I look at self-portraits not, not even really in a, in, in a vain way. I just look at myself as the subject. So it's not really – I don't really share my self-portraits or do self-portraits because I like the way I look in front of the camera. It's because I like photography so much. And um, I enjoy photographing people. And if no one else is around, well, guess what? I'm always around. So I can, I can at least try things, you know. Um, and it's challenging on, on the gear side as well, setting up the shot. Um, and it's all a practice to, to work it into my client work as well. Because if I come up with a process for how to set up this LED fiber optic shot and I keep practicing it on, on myself, then bam, in, in a month's time, I can turn that into, I can throw all that stuff in a duffel bag and that process is ready to go. That's a new tool in my tool bag. It's always been interesting to me, and I've learned a lot about myself through doing self-portraits. It's just a lot of fun. That's that's the that's the honest truth. It's just a lot of fun to me. It's not about creating photos of me. It's it's creating works of art, and I happen to be the subject. I was going to ask you if you have learned things about yourself, and and not just if you've got one ear bigger than the other. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've definitely learned. Um, Self-portraits have helped me to to be more open with people because I think putting yourself out there like that, it did help me open up to people. It did help me be more honest with myself. It helped me be more honest in life in general. Um, and I think that's because I was, I think being vulnerable is a, is a beautiful thing at times. And um, when I first started putting photos of myself out there into the world, sharing with, you know, at that time, hundreds of friends on Facebook and you know, girls I had crushes on could see them and things of that nature. It kind of helped me to realize that, you know what, it's not a big deal. Put it out there. Like what's the, what's the worst that can happen? And um, so that's kind of turned into a life lesson for me where if it's something that's out of my control, I'm not going to worry about it. It's, it's not, it's not worth worrying about. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm honest with myself and all my self portrait work and, that's kind of spilled into my normal life. So I think it has helped me. 
did you ever think about it as a sort of record of your own growth as well? Because you must have them going back over a few years now. And if you continue to do them, that's, a, a, you know, something that you can keep as an archive. Yes, I definitely do. Um, I try to revisit my old work once every few months, just because I think it's an important part of the growth process to see to see where you came from. And um, that's what's helped me to to help people that are in their first few months of photography to realize that we all have to remember where we came from. You know, we didn't, I didn't buy gear and start charging $3,000 for a wedding two months after I shot my first wedding. Like that's not how it goes, but yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely exciting to look back at my old self portraits. And I still have some that I really enjoy from back when I first started out. And I definitely have some that make me want to vomit all over my desk. But again, that's part of the growth process. And, um, I think it's important to look back on where we came from and where we're at now. And um, it helps me continue that growth to realize that it is um, a never-ending process and it's, and it's ever-changing as well. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, I don't just mean in terms of your photography growth. I mean, your physical and um, personal growth and it's kind of documenting your life. Yeah, it, it's... A, it's um, I've never really thought of myself as an artist, but going back through the past few years of photos, I can definitely view myself as an artist now, I think. Um, so personally, it's, it's, helped me, it's helped me grow in that way, um, if that makes any sense. To, to, I, I used to always be the type that say, I'm not, just, I'm not an artist, I'm just a guy with a camera and some camera gear. Like, but now I look back and, and where I'm at now and going through those photos, personally helped me make character changes to where I'm more open-minded with things. Um, personal growth wise, I would say it's helped me realize that you don't, you don't always know what somebody's going through. Um, cause I think some of the self portraits I created, people thought I was going through something where honestly I was just creating it cause I thought it looked cool, but they thought I was like super sad or something, you know? But, um, yeah, so it really opened discussions with people and um, that helped me grow as a person. So not so much the actual work itself, but what the work, the aftermath of what the work happened helped me grow as a person. So like the, the flow of that, of that piece, when I post a photo and somebody would comment on it, and then we would start discussions. Those discussions have helped me grow as a person for sure. If you have children in the future, then you've got a nice little record of, uh, of your That's personal exactly self. Right. Yes. If I ever get into the idea of having children, that is very true. Um, all right. I was going to ask you what excites you. I'm guessing having children isn't going to feature high on, on that list. <laughs> Not quite yet. Other people's kids are cool. But, yeah, I don't, think, I don't think I'm at a stage where I'm ready for any of that. All right. What does excite you then? Trips. I, lately, it's been travel. Um, although I hate leaving my dog back at home. I hate boarding my dog. She's, she's my child. She's my animal child. And, um, but yeah, definitely travel is what gets me very excited. It's the past couple of years. It's the only thing that's gotten me excited to where my body gets chills and stuff, because I do have the opportunity to visit new places. I've never been and things like that before. Um, other things that excite me more, more basic human things. Um, I'm big into animal rescue. Um, I put on a, 
an exhibition each year that helps raise funds for local animal rescues here in the St. Louis area and surrounding St. Louis, Missouri areas. So the past two years we've raised collectively, it it all started two years ago as during this season right now, kind of the off season of weddings. Um, I wanted something to keep my skills sharp. And so I decided to post on Facebook. I wanted to shoot like 40 or 50 um, adoptive families that have adopted rescue animals and just do like a blog post a day for a month and a half or something, highlighting the family with like 12 pictures. A not-for-profit got in contact with me and said they wanted to sponsor it. And I said, well, I don't really have much overhead other than, you know, like gas money to drive to these people's homes. And they said, no, let's turn it into a fundraising exhibit and we can donate all the funds, 100% of the funds back to some local animal rescue organizations. And I said, oh, okay. So the first year we raised almost $6,000 in four hours and it was um, unbelievable. I mean, I didn't even know what to think. They were all my photos. I'd never done an exhibition before, but it was um, all kind of lifestyle, candid type of portraiture within the family's homes and um, just hanging with the animals because my, my whole goal was just to raise awareness that rescue animals are just like any other animals. They, you know, when you teach them how to do things, they just like hanging with their family. And um, so that's what the whole idea of the exhibit was. And last year we raised almost, or this year we raised almost $6,000 again. And I brought on a staff of photographers this time around because the first year it was nuts going from, I was very dumb with it. I would schedule one at 10 a.m. And then the next slot would be at 10.45, but it's 48 miles away from where I am. So I, I don't know what the heck I was thinking when I did it all on my own. But yeah, so this next year, it just it just keeps growing. We're moving into a bigger, a bigger gallery for the show. And um, I get excited about that every year just because it, 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 it is very cool to to mix art with helping to know that our photos hanging people love coming through and seeing them and making donations and to know that that's going back to people that are actually using the funds towards things that are right um is very special to me and um they all show their appreciation and my favorite part is handing over the checks to the animal rescue organizations because i know it's special to them and while it not be while it may not be a lot of money it is a lot of money to a few of them because they're very small and they're they're using their time away from their full-time jobs to help rescue animals off the streets and um and to get them into homes so it's yeah it's very cool to be a part of and um the rescue community is very much like the photography community where they're all there to help each other and um so that's another community I'm I'm proud to be a part of excellent good work um what scares you, Jacob? Um, heights. Heights. I am scared to death of heights unless I need to get a photo. It's a very, it's a very weird phenomenon I've, I've learned about myself where I will, I will do whatever it takes to make the photograph. So, like, I will climb up high into a tree to get a shot that I want, a vision I have in my head. But as soon as I'm done taking that shot and I'm still in the tree – it's time to call the fire department because I'm not getting down on my own. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll hang off of the ledge of a parking garage. I'll hang off the ledge of a building. But as soon as I'm done taking that shot, it's like somebody needs to get me off of here or I'm going to have a heart attack. <laughs> All right. What's your favorite swear word? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Fuck. That's I dropped the F-bomb 
like a World War II plane. There's no doubt about it. Just on its own or with any uh, added extras? Um, no, just on its own. I mean, all, all the different variances of the word, you know, fuck, fucking pretty much those two, I guess. Fucked. Yeah. Any variation of, of fuck is, is my favorite swear word for sure. I use it a lot. I, when I wish my grandma a happy birthday, it's happy fucking birthday, grandma. And she hates it, but that's okay. She's old. <laughs> <laughs> She's probably used more swear words than you'll ever learn, Jacob. Oh yeah, I know. I know she will. She was a crazy. She was a crazy asshole. She used to fly planes for fun back in the day in the '30s because her friend's dad owned an airport and they would fly open air jets just for fun. Like she was like, you you know, you go bowling with your friends. We would fly airplanes. I'm like, you are fucking crazy. And of course, you know me with heights. There's no way I'd do that shit. Uh-uh. Well, if you could be anything else for a day, what would you be? You know what? This is going to be a strange answer, but a professional fisherman, I think that would be fishing for largemouth bass in a tournament in Texas or something. That would be that would be pretty cool. I would really enjoy that. I mean, to think that there's professional fishermen out there is is wild. It's really cool. There are professional fishermen and somebody else who I've spoken to on Phototypes also spoke about professional fishermen. I can't remember who it was now off the top of my head, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I mocked him for it, but now <laughs> I must, uh, you know, must stand down. Who living or dead would you like to photograph? I'd have to go with definitely Franklin Roosevelt, FDR. I think he'd be an interesting one to photograph and just to sit around and chat with who else oh michael jackson's chimp the chimp he used to have i would love to photograph that thing that would be a lot of fun bubbles was it bubbles yes i would love to photograph bubbles the chimp (laughs) if only (laughs) bubbles could talk as well imagine the stories he could tell i know but we could you know i think bubbles the chimp was a smoker and I smoke cigarettes unfortunately but yeah i'd love to share a cigarette with bubbles the chimp (laughs) Brilliant. Give us some advice to another photographer. I know that you are very keen on handing out advice through your communities. So give us some advice that we can pass on to people. Don't worry about what others think of your work. Don't worry about what other photographers are doing, what trends are going on. Get out there and shoot and learn on your own. Do create what you really enjoy creating. Don't worry about what your peers are going to think of it. Um, I think that's one of the biggest things I've noticed since I started is that it seems like a lot of us, and, and you know, I even had this cloud at one time where I started creating things hoping the photography community would like it, would enjoy it. But then I stepped back about a year ago and was like, why, you know, I love the photography community, but why am I worried about with my work if they accept it or not? I, the only one that needs to accept it is me. And then if, if I accept that work, if I'm satisfied with my work, I share it with the world and hopefully I find clients that enjoy the work in the same fashion that I do. I would say create for yourself first. Get out and create for yourself. Um, stop researching gear. Stop, lurking, stop looking into all that stuff. You know, Grab your camera and lens and go out and create something you enjoy creating. Don't worry about how what others will think of it. Excellent. And then finally, who would you like to hear from on Phototypes? 
Who should I go and interview? Hugh Whitaker. He is unbelievable. He's got a very unique eye, um, and he's a very he's a very positive person in the industry. And um, I think he he would be a great guest to have on. Brilliant. I will try and get him on. All right. Jacob, it's been fabulous chatting to you. We've yeah, done. Yeah, you too. I hope I got you some good stuff, and um, I appreciate the time. It was a lot of fun. Well, thanks so much to Jacob for taking the time to speak to Phototypes. If you're enjoying Phototypes, say hello on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, all at Phototypes Pod. We've got listeners in Croatia, Uzbekistan, and Morocco, amongst others, so please say hello if you're there and join our community. And if you've got an interesting story to tell and think you could be featured on Phototypes, then drop me a note, matt at theretreat.co. You can find me, Matt Bowen, at theretreat.co on Instagram. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.